0: We are continuing our series that we kicked off last week called No Offense. Because there is a chance that in the world that you've been living in through your social media circles that maybe you have seen somebody get offended. Someone said something, whether they meant it that way or not, it doesn't matter, but offense was taken and the emotions exploded. And I think that we all have that one person in our family that it's like they're just very easily offended and they're going to let the whole world know. And if you're thinking to yourself, I don't think we have that person in our family, it might be you. (laughs) Because it just seems like everyone has one. And we're talking about how... Our relationship should be with people who are like that, people who are difficult to get along with, people who either we offend easily or they offend us, and how do we navigate these relationships? And that's what this series is is about, but I want to make sure that you understand how to apply this message. The proper way to apply it is not to grab the video and tag the person online and say, listen to this, it might fix what's broken with you. It's not about applying it to someone else. This is pointed at you. This is pointed at your heart. The teachings of this passage, you don't get to fix someone else. All right? We're fixing you today. We're working on ourselves. And if you haven't discovered yet, you cannot fix your husband. You can't do it. You can't fix your wife, but you can work on yourself. And today's message, point it at your own heart as we read it. We're going to be studying in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 26. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll, of course, project the words up on the screen as I read it. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, when we talk about being offended, I want you to understand that offense and anger is a very closely related word. And the definition of offend is to irritate, annoy, or anger. And if in your life... You have believed the concept that if they make me angry enough, then I get to just be as mad and out of control as I feel like being. And they did it and it's their fault. I want you to understand that you're believing a lie. Like if you believe, I just like, it's their fault. They did it. I blew up. I threw the chair. I said the word. I had the screaming match. I did those things, but it was all them. First of all, I want you to understand, you're believing that you've given the controls of your life to other people. Like, do you really want to believe that? Do you really wanna believe that you're living your life in a style that says, Anyone who's around me, here you go. You're in control. You get to choose how I act. You get to choose what I say. You get to choose what I do or don't do because depending on your behavior will determine, will be the thing that determines what I do. I know you don't want to live that way. But some of us, we've been going down that road of just saying, I get to respond in anger however I want because once I'm angry, just watch out. And I want to tell you that Scripture puts the highlight on that moment of anger and says, in your anger, when you feel the rage burn, you still have the decision to make of whether or not you will sin. In your anger, do not sin. You have the choice, you have the capacity, but we've allowed ourselves to go beyond what we should. And then it gives us not just the recognition that we have a choice about whether we do something that is destructive when we're angry. It also gives us us a deadline for when we're feeling offended or for when we're feeling angry. And it says the deadline is when the sun goes down. And because the deadline is when the sun goes down, some of you guys might benefit from, understand, from finding out about this plane that's called the Concorde. I'll show you a picture of it. It's a very fast plane. It can travel over 1,000 miles per hour. So theoretically, if you get in this plane and you travel west at 1,037 miles per hour in the middle of the day, the sun will never go down. And so you won't ever have to deal with your anger. The other option is you could move to North Greenland, but I don't think people from Florida will do that. In North Greenland, you have 152 days before the sun goes down. Well, 152 24-hour periods, if we're being technical. But if you live right here in Southwest Florida, the deadline for you to deal with the offense that you feel in your heart is when that sun sets. But when I talk about offense and I talk about, is there an offense that you've been carrying around with you? I'm afraid that too many of us have allowed something that happened weeks ago, months ago, or years ago to stay right with us in this very moment. And I want to impress upon you that carrying around an offense is far too much work. Living in North Greenland is far too much work for me. Flying on a plane around the planet so I can avoid the sun going down, far too much work for me. The better thing is to say, I, I may have been hurt and they may not have even apologized yet, but because the grace that God has poured into my life, what I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to go ahead and forgive them before they even deserve it. Because that is what scripture teaches me to do and scripture is the authority of my life and because I want to do what is in the long run best for me. And I will sleep better at night if I am not holding on to offense. My blood pressure will be lower if I am not holding on to offense. My relationships with other people will be better if I'm not holding on to offense. When I hear the song that reminds me of them, I won't get angry anymore because I let go of the offense. We know holding on to an offense, it does so much to us, mentally and physically, but we've continued to do it as though it were some sort of benefit. Do what is right in the eyes of God. Do what is right for yourself and make a decision that you're not going to live this lifestyle where I'm just continually offended. I want to say it this way and we'll put this up on the screen. Being offended is inevitable. It will happen. But living offended is a choice. And I understand the natural gravity of the way that our world works and talks and interacts. There's this natural compulsion to just move with the flow of everyone else and hold on to offenses and hold accounts and want to be able to hold them accountable one day and make them feel as bad as they made us feel. But I want to tell you, God has something so much better for you. And God has already given something so much better to you. You have a grace that gets to move through you. And because this is the reality of what happens when we hold on to anger and we bring it into day after day. Verse 27 describes us this way. And it says, Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him this opportunity to inject further separation between you and other people because this is the truth. You were designed to live in community. Scripture describes the church, the body of Christ, as being one body, many different pieces that all have to fit together and work together to function the way that it's supposed to. You were meant to live in a family where you have a mom and a dad and and care that that is there. But so many of these relationships that are supposed to be healthy have been damaged by division over things that do not matter as much as that other person. It's like we're going to get so offended over over these little issues that we're going to choose to sever relationships between family members. We're going to sever relationships between ourselves and a neighbor who is created in the image of God and is valued by God. But man, they don't want to wear a mask, so I'm just, i done with them forever. They wear a mask everywhere. It's ridiculous. They drive in a car with a mask. I can't be their friend anymore. And a generation from now, they're not even going to know what we mean by wearing masks, hopefully, just the way that we didn't until two years ago. And we've allowed things to divide us that, that it really doesn't deserve to have a foothold. When it says foothold here, that word foothold, topos, it could be translated as opportunity or it could be translated as room or space. We get the word topography from that same root word. It's like an area that when we allow anger and offense to hang out in our head in our heart, it's like we're, we're saying, okay, that, that area, we're just going to leave that there and we're going to let that be destructive in who we are. And I I want to tell you, the devil does does not deserve any topography. He does not deserve any space in your life. Like you're trying to stay cool, but he is keeping the windows and the doors open with the AC on and it's running up your electric bill. It is taking up space in your life that he does not deserve to have. It's going to damage relationships because you know that when you've been hurt, significantly, and you haven't healed from that hurt, when anyone does anything remotely similar, when they say a similar statement, it brings out all of this fear, all of this anger. It brings, brings up the, these walls of saying, whoa, hold, hold on. That sounds like something that I've seen before. And past offenses that we haven't healed from yet, and this is why I say this is for you. This is not for someone else. If you allow an offense to just stay in your life, what it's going to do eventually is it's going to divide you from people that you should not be divided from. The family member who left, the person who said those things. I'm not saying that the offense wasn't real. I'm just saying that you really don't need to be carrying it around with you forever. And in our culture, we love to shout about offenses and what other people have done, but we like to whisper about apologies. And I tell you, it should be the other way. When someone offends you, that's something that you should address between you and them, and it should be a quiet conversation. When you offend someone else, you should voice up and own the moment and let it be known that you're sorry. And scripture teaches us that when we have those moments, that we should actually do it Quickly, that we should handle it quickly before the sun goes down, and 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 when we don't, it creates a division. And there's people who've seen the way that our culture has been going and the way that it's been dividing for a long time. Um, you, I would guess that you probably agree with me, for especially the people who've actually lived through the 1960s. Ha, has the world changed a little bit since the 1960s? Well, a few things are different, right? A few attitudes within the culture are different. Um, I came across that this this writing that that was shared over the radio by a guy named Paul Harvey who did Christian radio broadcasts in the nineteen sixties and it's titled If I Were the Devil and he talks about the division that that he believes Satan would love to stir up within our culture. And this what this was broadcast on April third, nineteen sixty five. But I want to share it with you because it speaks into the division that, that I believe is destructive to churches and families. But it was just so spot on. I mean, it, just, it had this sense of being prophetic that, that you'll have to go Google it later to be like, was that really real? Um, but I want to share it with you as part of the service today. Would you go and play the video?
1: If I were the devil, if I were the devil. and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing.
0: 1965. Sounds a lot like our world today. The the divisions that he could see that were, that were coming, that, that are happening now that I believe we see it play, but we shouldn't see it play within our own households. We may not be able to shift what is happening on a national level, but you can determine what your family relationships are going to be like. You can determine what your marriage is going to be like. You can determine what your relationship with your neighbors is going to be like. And by your conduct, you'll determine what your children are like. And I believe that you were designed with a need in a sense of, I should be in community, that I should have connections to other people. But we've allowed so many other things to be divisive. And so kind of playing off of this and and in with the message, I'm gonna give three, three D's of destruction, things that will be destructive to us. And the number one is dividing families, friends, and churches. But they believe this about vaccines, but they don't believe in vaccines and they believe in masks, or they painted the church the wrong color. They picked out carpet without discussing it with me, and so I can't possibly worship with those people anymore. Listen to me. So many things are temporary, but you were built in the eternal image of God, and there are things that will last forever, and so do not let what is temporal be destructive to what is eternal, and your family matters beyond the current political agendas that are happening all around us right now. I understand they might disagree with you about which political party should be robbing us during this four years. It might be the wrong one for you right now, but at the end of the day and the end of the administration and it rolls into another one and another one, you will continue to only have your family and you should not lose them over who is or isn't president. You should not lose them over views of medicine right now, because this is what I want for you, church. I want you to see the message of the gospel as the foundation and the first and foremost important thing about the way that we live our life, that I will not allow my political view to hinder my ability to share God's eternal truth with my family and my loved ones. And so whatever issue is going on, I will never let it supersede the message of the gospel that changes lives and eternities in mindsets. And so I will not, I I will not, and I don't want you to allow any temporal issue to divide you from your family. The, The second D of destruction would be distract Christians from their mission. It doesn't matter what they're doing as long as they're not doing the most important thing. If churches can get distracted into political issues instead of pursuing their city with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe the devil would celebrate that. And if we ever become consumed with some other heartbeat than the fact that, as Luke 19.10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, that has to be our primary heartbeat. That is our mission, that is our purpose, that is why we exist, for the proclamation and the invitation of the gospel and giving it to people to respond to, teaching them what God teaches us through scripture about how to live this life on earth and make an eternal difference for how we use it. That has to be the number one. And so we will not get distracted from our mission over senseless things. And the third one would be to discredit their witness. Discrediting the witness of the church, it happens in different ways. First of all, it can happen with the perspective of I need to make everyone think that I am perfect all the time. And if we try, and if you've bought into the lie of wanting, to, wanting people to think you just have it all together, I'm gonna to tell you, you're on the way to discrediting your witness because you don't. And I don't. We are all sinners saved by grace. And so you don't have to have a perfect face on all the time. It is okay to have struggles. It is okay to go through rough seasons. But what I want to encourage you, what will help you the most when you go through your rough season is having connection with other believers, having connection with family. It says no matter what you walk through, we are together in this. And division will be destructive to that. Discrediting the witness of the church when we, we become passionate about the wrong things. When we only tell people what we are against and not what we are for. I, I don't care how messed up someone from our world is. They are loved by God and they are invited in to know this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. that will change their life. They don't need to change their life and come to church. They need to come to Jesus and then Jesus will walk them through whatever they have been dragged into through the rest of their life. And that is the way that it works. We're not gonna become, become a church that, that allows our witness to be discredited because we're gonna be upfront and humble about the fact of who we are. We are all sinners saved by grace. And we wanna be aware of those things because when we allow offense, when we, when we hold on to offense because we're trying to make ourselves appear perfect, I'm gonna tell you, It's as the verse says. It's giving the devil a foothold. It's giving him space. It's giving him an area on our map of where we live, and allowing him to be there. And his goal is to create division. And so, in our lives, the issues that we've caused, the issues that have happened in our life, as we're starting in the verse, in your in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And then it it goes into some some teachings that it it shows the issue, and then it shows the calling. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And then it goes into the words. Don't let your words be destructive. Don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for the building up of others, that it may benefit those who listen. And And it's because all of this is connected to the truth that we are members of one body, one family and what we do will have impact on other people. And so on the topic of offense and on the top, uh, topic of anger and how it affects the people around us, if we get into the habit of holding on to anger instead of dealing with it on that 24 hour period that when the sun is going down, we're dealing with our anger, then we're gonna begin to have a culture of fear, a culture of staying distant from each other, instead of when we have a culture of whatever happened today, I'm dealing with it. There's a sense of there's nothing that we can't get through together. It's like every time something comes up, we deal with it and we get over it quickly. And so I don't have to have an insecurity in our relationship and our friendship because I know no matter what comes in, grace is always going to flow through it and overpower it. I mean, how amazing would it be if the day that you got offended was also the day that you experienced healing in that area? How amazing would it be if you didn't have to worry of what would happen in the relationship? Because as you're honest and you come to them, you know forgiveness is going to come and they can feel that so i want to i want to say it this way that the day of our hurt it should be the day of our healing this is what scripture teaches us and and i want to tell you scripture it has to be like church listen to me scripture has to be the authority that as we follow christ we have to have a sense of god what you speak i will obey What you teach me in my relationships with my children, with my wife, with my neighbors, the principles that you tell us to apply, it's the authority over my own mindset and my own will. So when you tell me to not let the sun go down on my anger, I will deal with the issue that day. I mean, how how amazing would it feel? Our blood pressure would go down, our anger would down, our relationships would get better. And I found this to be common. I think that some of you guys might have seen this before. There's certain rules about fighting that no one has taught you, but you learned them somewhere. And if you're a married person, you've probably experienced something like this where there's a fight that happens, but it doesn't get resolved and bedtime rolls around. And maybe you've seen some of these rules apply. Like we're fighting right now, so I'm not gonna go in the bathroom to brush my teeth until they're done because I don't wanna occupy exactly the same space as them yet. And so once they're done, I'll go in. But if I get to the bed first, when I lay down on the bed, I'm going to take all of the good pillows and give them the flattened pillows. I'm going to take a little bit more of the, the blanket than I normally do just because i want to spite them a little bit. And if our feet touch each other just a little bit, like i got to get my feet out of there because there's no touching. Like I'm going to score all the points in the fight, but there's going to be absolutely no scoring tonight because like the offense is going to stick through and overwhelm the passion in our life. Like we're going to be offended tonight. And if you make eye contact with the other person first, you lose points, right? And if you're the first one to talk about it, then you, then you lose as well. You might be the bigger human being and better in God's eyes, but you lose, lose the fight if you're the first one to speak up. And we know that if we don't deal with the anger that night, then it just follows us into the next day. And if we go through a season where it's like there's issues, and we're not resolving them. And these offenses last through a few nights into a few weeks to where this just feels like what, it's our rela- what our relationship is now. You've seen how that's been destructive. You've seen how that's led to divorce before. And you've seen through practice why it's God's wisdom to say every single night the issues get dealt with. You will sleep better. You will feel better. You will be a better husband. You will be a better wife. You will be a better family member when you keep short accounts. This is God's instruction for his people. Social media. We love shouting about other people's offenses. It should not be so within the church. Thank God that in his system of forgiveness, our sins don't get broadcast around the world. Why are we doing that to other people? As the passage goes through and it talks about, you know, if you're stealing, you need to work with your hands. If you're speaking in a way that's destructive, you need to use your words to build others up. And it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. But you might say, Paul, I have a righteous anger. Listen, God is good at the righteous anger, He's perfect all the time. You're not very good at it. And what you're told to do is to get rid of the anger because what ends up happening is it controls you and does things that are destructive to your relationships. Get rid of all the bitterness. The offenses that you've held on to, they are turning you bitter and sour and destructive to other relationships. Free yourself from it. Give it over to God. They may not deserve your forgiveness. You didn't deserve forgiveness either. And God gave it to you. And that forgiveness gets to flow through you to other people so you don't have to carry that bitterness with you anymore. Get rid of the rage. Get rid of the brawling and the slander. Every form of malice, get rid of it. And the instruction comes in verse 32 of what you should be doing. Be kind and compassionate. Band, if you guys will come up here, I'm going to start to close this out. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, just another reminder that this message is for you. It's not for you to, to make the world feel guilty with. This message is for you. This message is for the believer in Christ who says, I believe in my heart that, that God so loved the world that he sent his son, his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. I believe that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I, I, this is for the person who says, I believe that, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. This instruction is for that person, because the person who believes that ha- has had God look at them and say, I forgive you of everything. Everything that you've ever done, from the point that you made the decision and first believed and and you were living in sin, he forgave all of that, to even after that, when when you believed and you still made more mistakes and you still fell into sin and you still fell into addiction and you still fell into problems, God has still forgiven you for all of those things since the first moment that you believed. You've been given an incredible amount of grace. And and I don't, you know, the theological concept might be tough to grasp here but I think it's an important one to understand the way that God sees you he sees you as though you have earned the exact righteousness and holiness that Jesus has earned he's forgiven you that much scripture says if anyone is in Christ their new creation God sees you as though you are in Christ you have his full righteousness fully, holy, fully adopted into the family of God. And he sees you with that kind of grace and he says, forgive each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. This is how people should talk about Christians dealing with them. This is how the world should talk about the church dealing with them. Our reputation should be, even when I wronged them, they loved me. Even when I spoke badly about them, they were still gracious towards me. I can pick on the church real easily. You, when someone wrongs you, believer in Christ... They don't need to earn your forgiveness. You couldn't earn forgiveness either, but it was given to you. So what I want to challenge you with, be unoffendable because grace is so strong because kindness has been so richly given to you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Let's forgive those around us. I believe that as we live that way, you will experience a peace and a joy and a closeness in relationship with others that you feel like has been escaping you until now. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that first of all, your grace is available to us. And we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth right now that Jesus, you are Lord. You died on the cross and rose from the grave to give us new life and adopt us into your family. So would you give us the courage to live differently than the culture that we were raised in? Would you give us the courage to give grace when other people don't deserve it? And I know that as your church does that, they will shine like lights in the darkness and all the glory will go to you. It's in your son's name we pray.